0: Chad inside sports with Reed Wilkins weekdays at six on 6.30 Chad.
1: Two and a half minutes into the third period, Philadelphia leading Montreal 3-2. They also lead the series 3-2. Canadians must win to force game seven on Sunday, starting in about 40 minutes at Rogers place. Game six between the Blues and the Canucks. The Canucks are up three games to two. There will be a game tomorrow, regardless of tonight's outcomes the Stars and the Avalanche will start the second round at 6 o'clock at Rogers Place. Now on Sunday, potential for Game 7s or one Game 7 if Montreal and St. Louis, uh, either one, were it to win tonight. If both these series end, then uh, we could see an Eastern Division second round, or pardon me, Eastern Conference second round series uh, start on Sunday. So the NHL wouldn't have any days without games. There's been a ton of hockey. There will be a little less, a little less now that we're going to be down to eight teams pretty soon by Monday. Well, I guess by Sunday night at the latest, but uh, still a lot of fun. And then, of course, everybody's going to be in Edmonton for the conference finals and the Stanley Cup final. Baseball tonight. Now, 4-4 Blue Jays and Rays. That's in the top of the 7th. Jays sitting at 12 and 11, Tampa Bay at 17 and nine. And the Raptors won earlier today, 117-92 over Brooklyn. The Raptors go up 3-0 in that best of seven. The Oilers have loaned Joachim Nygaard to Farstad in the Swedish League and uh, expect that he will come back for the start of training camp for next season, whenever that is. Appreciate you tuning in tonight. Hope you're uh, having a great weekend. I got to golf at the ranch this morning. Uh, but such an incredible course, really in great shape, uh, for someone like me, who is, who is not a great player and I don't hit the ball very far either. Variety of, uh, tee boxes, different choices for you. Uh, so you don't have to feel intimidated. You can always play a course length and style that's comfortable for you. And, uh, yeah, in, in, uh, in really good shape, uh, really good shape. I was really impressed with the ranch. So definitely check them out if you have time here, D- dare I say, before it snows, it is late August. So it is going to happen. Uh, Kellen, I, I like. I, I, I know people, I, I've lamented my golf game enough on the show. It's kind of, <laughs> kind of like therapy for me. I'll probably have to do it again. But I won't give a ton of details. I will just say this. The doctor I, is in. I finished with three consecutive pars today, uh, but there's no need to discuss the 15 holes prior to that. Oh, okay. Yeah, so you finished strong. That's good. We'll just leave it at the three straight pars to finish the round. No, no need to talk about the first fifteen holes. Golf with uh, my good friend Quinn Phillips from Global. Right on. Who, um, if if we could use Quinn's game off the tee and uh, my game around the greens, you'd have a better golfer than each of us is individually. Uh, she outdrives me by a considerable margin. Um, but probably uh, for the deft touch around the green, I I would probably give myself the the edge there. So, but yeah, it's too too bad we can't combine our forces. Anyway, uh, really good to play uh, at the ranch and uh, off work next week. So yeah, golfing a couple other times too. That'll be fun for sure. Dave Campbell's going to be sitting in uh, hosting Inside Sports next week. So please give him an ear if you have time. Boy, Darkman really uh, bringing it on the text line here. He wants the CFL to go metric. So he's already he put he put in a whole bunch of distances, but basically he says the field is currently 110 yards long, which is 100 and a half meters. So you could just make it a 100 meter field. Uh, You'd be 10 meters for a first down. All penalties assessed in meters. You'd have third and centimeters instead of third and inches. (laughs) Well. Yeah, I guess it would be – They would throw things off a little. The distances wouldn't change drastically. I mean, 10 meters is a little longer than 10 yards, but I guess it wouldn't change things. If you had to be a meter off the ball, though, on the line, I guess that would give the offensive line a little more room to work with. That is, I have never. I don't think I've ever had anybody suggest that before that the CFL should use metric measurements.
0: Well, the cool thing about that would be, you know, you could do an ISO shot during a game of like a really fast uh, punt returner or a, uh, a, a a speedy receiver, and you could measure him much like they do on the hockey night in Canada broadcast and that stuff with Connor McDavid in kilometers per hour. That'd be pretty. cool. We could do that anyway. But we could do that anyway. So, <laughs> yeah, plus miles per hour is more impressive, in my opinion. But anyway.
1: That's a good one. Uh, that is a good one. Uh, John Shannon and I were talking about some of the suspensions and discipline in the National Hockey League. Uh, i got to scroll back. Trucker Dave says, "So oh, we like here from Trucker Dave. Hope things are good with you, Trucker Dave. He says, I'm watching the Canadiens game. I'm steaming mad. I have one question for the NHL. Why are they protecting these cheap shot players? Don't get me wrong. I love the game. The ease that these players can get a slap on the wrist and change the series. Niskanen needs to be accountable. The NHL needs to be accountable. Gallagher needs surgery to have his jaw wired shut. Kevin says, I think Darkman uses metric when he tells people his IQ. (laughs) (laughs) That's from Kevin. Kevin, is there a metric conversion for intelligence quotient? I I didn't know that there was that's a that's a clever text though a couple other thoughts coming in Dirk says officiating in the National Hockey League is a tough job players move at high speeds and decisions have to be made by refs in the blink of an eye handing out suspensions in the NHL should be an easy job you can watch a play in slow motion 200 times to decide on punishment but suspensions are often debatable or downright wrong in the eyes of many hockey fans. That is from Dirk coming in, who is uh, questioning how you can watch a play over and over again 200 times and get us come up with a suspension that seems to confuse people. And Kevin says, I wonder if the NHL would suspend a player for swinging his stick at someone's head, even if he missed. It seems to me that intent should factor into it. It seems like you could do something really dirty and get away with it if you didn't hurt anybody, but the league should consider what would have happened if a player connects. Well, and I think John Shannon talked about that. They they take the outcome of the, the play into, into consideration, and John said that he thinks if, if Brendan Gallagher didn't suffer a broken jaw on the play, that uh, maybe Niskanen just gets a fine. But... I, I think what uh, who was that the text of that in Kevin. I think what Kevin is saying is that a dirty play is a dirty play, and if you mean to do something that could hurt somebody, it, it shouldn't matter if they if they don't get hurt. So, yeah, that's uh, that's a that's a fair debate. And what's I think what's interesting with me for me is they've put former players in the role of the, the the disciplinarian, right? George Peros, Shanahan did it. But yet it's a lot of former players I talk to still don't agree with the decisions. And I mean, Rob Brown talks about it all the time when he's on the show and he's on overtime open line that a stick foul should be more serious than a body check. He understands why headshots are punished. He understands why they're, They don't want concussions. He understands that players should be careful and uh, considerate. Well, maybe not considerate is the right word, but that they have to be careful when delivering a body check and try to avoid the head. But he also says most players don't deliver a body check trying to hit the head. Usually something goes wrong, right? You don't position yourself properly, but you're trying to deliver a clean check most of the time. But as Rob always says, if you do something with your stick, in that split second, you've decided to do something that you know is dangerous and that could hurt somebody. And, and for that reason, um, he, he would suspend stick fouls more severely. Gary in Cold Lake says, Hey, Reed, are we going goalie shopping in the short f- future? I assume you mean the Oilers, Gary. Well, they can't do anything until the playoffs end, but they're going to need a goaltender. Uh, I I mean, I, I don't think Mike Smith is going to be brought back. I think now here's the thing during the regular season, Smith and Koskinen were good enough to get the orders into the playoffs. And the, the thing about Smith is his, his peak, his high end game was still quite high, but it, it seemed like he was a little bit of feast or famine with Smith. Either he was outstanding or, or he went through a really tough spell, like we saw in the second half of November and in December. I think with Koskinen, there's less fluctuation in his game. But if you look at Koskinen's stats over the last couple of years, in my mind, he's about the 40th best goaltender in the NHL. So he's probably a solid backup. Uh, there's a lot of names out there. Leonard, Markstrom, Anderson, Jake Allen. Like Could the, could the Oilers try to get one of those guys? I think they're going to have to. Because quite frankly... They they need they need uh, somebody who can be a number one in the playoffs or a more obvious number one in the playoffs because ultimately they didn't have one this postseason against Chicago. And I mean, if I if I'm not bringing Smith back and I'm saying Koskinen's about the 40th best goaltender in the NHL, then it's better than fifty fifty than that you can upgrade the goaltending if there's 62 goalies in the NHL. I know it's easier said than done. You may have to sacrifice something. Um, but as I've talked about several times throughout the playoffs, goaltending is the most important position on the ice. And I know Big David and Dreisaitl are incredible players, and we're seeing in the postseason how great McKinnon is, and and the Blues have all these grinding guys who can also score. Of course it's valuable, and of course it's a team game. But there is nothing as transformative and as important as a reliable really good or excellent goaltender. And I I think if the Oilers are ever truly going to ascend to be a a team that can perennially be in the playoffs and consistently at least be a team that can be considered as a Stanley Cup contender, even if they're not a favorite, they're going to have to have a goaltender who's generally in the top 12 in the NHL. You know, over over a span of several years. And they haven't had that for quite a long time. It's seven seventeen inside sports on chet. our text line request, kill yes from Avenger. this is power surge All right. nine minutes left in the third period philadelphia leading the canadians 3-2 montreal must win to force game seven on sunday and of course another game coming up in about half an hour rogers place game six between st louis and vancouver and the canucks lead that series, three games to two. And speaking of uh, goaltending, Jacob Markstrom has had uh, a few pretty good games in that series for the Vancouver Canucks. We had Randy Ambrosie on the show last night, the commissioner of the Canadian Football League. And, and when he spoke on Monday, uh, just going to see if the Canadians get a chance here. No, nope. uh, when he spoke on Monday, he said that we need a more cooperative ecosystem in the Canadian Football League. So I asked him about that comment last night
0: perhaps the word cooperative isn't perfectly appropriate but but i think it's maybe the word collaborative when i when i arrived three years ago i think what i found is that uh you know we had really nine teams that all ran their businesses and the league didn't necessarily have uh, a, a line of sight to how those businesses operated and i and i personally felt there was room to do more collaboration between the teams, more more resource sharing, more best practices sharing. Reed, it was further it was further highlighted when we started spending time with the NBA, uh, and the NBA had created a very interesting shared services uh, uh, business as part of its league office operation. And what what became obvious is that some of what the uh, that the NBA has seen in terms of this remarkable success. Has come because they have created this remarkable uh, shared services mindset, a, a culture where they they really help one another, off, you know, off the court, and then they compete on the court. And I, I think that's an area we've made some tremendous inroads, by the way, uh, over the past uh, two and a half years. But I think this is a time now. I uh, there's an expression in business you you spend a lot of your time working in the business. I think this is a time for us to work on the business.
1: All right. A little bit there from Randy Ambrosi. You can get the full interview if you go to the inside sports page on 630 chedcom Interesting time for the, the Canadian Football League. Again, it's, I, I don't want to talk about it like it's all doom and gloom. If not for the pandemic, the season would have kicked off and they'd be playing as normally. But like Randy said, maybe a time to work on the business and, and there have been some lingering issues. And, and we've talked about, uh, you know, John Shannon talked about a, a lost generation of uh, of CFL fans. Um, Len Rhodes on earlier this week said, you know, OK, if the attendance goes down 3% a year from one year to the next, you're not gonna flip out about it but it's been happening every year three to five percent and then over 10 to 15 years you've lost quite a few fans i, I do think i, I do and I, I talked to a a friend about this uh earlier today uh and he and his wife uh have, have a very young child and uh they like going to sporting events it's it's changed with the, the child in their life obviously but they said it'd be more convenient for them to go to games in the afternoon and i do hear that from a fair amount of people can there be more saturday matinees at commonwealth stadium and around the cfl now tsn or whoever winds up broadcasting the games in the future would have to be on board with this uh i i do think you you have to cater to tv to some extent if they're giving you money but it it helps everybody if there's more interest in the league and more people uh watching because if you if you go to a game you might be more likely to watch the the next game on tv i i i like the one or two o'clock starts uh, at commonwealth stadium and look tsn has five channels can they still make it work even if every game isn't nationally televised if both edmonton and calgary want afternoon games to play at home, for example, could could they play at the same time and one game's on TSN 1 and 2 and the other one's on 3 and 4 and they can have the World Poker Challenge on TSN 5 or whatever other thing they show. I don't know. I think they're going to have to think di- differently. They need more fans going to games and they need kids going to games with their parents and it becomes a routine and a habit and a, a habitual outing to go to CFL games. Now that's going to take a while to to get to, to really see that impact, but I do think that's one thing they have to look at. Five minutes left now. Three two Philadelphia. We'll update you when we get back after the news. <laughs> Montreal Canadiens need a goal and then they'll need another one but for now they got to get the third one in this game they trail Philadelphia 3-2 two and a half minutes left in the third period Flyers trying to end the series Canadians trying to prolong it and force game seven on Sunday the Blues need a win against the Canucks that one faces off at Rogers place in about 11 minutes Canucks up 3-2 in the best of seven if there is a game seven in either of these series it'll be on Sunday If they both end tonight, it is likely that an Eastern Conference series will start on Sunday, and there will be a game tomorrow. Rather than having a dark day on the calendar, the NHL is starting the second round tomorrow with the Stars against the Avalanche. That is uh, all they've announced for uh, the second round they're going to see what happens otherwise before putting out any other games. So that's what's going on. Now 2 minutes left, Montreal trailing Philadelphia 3-2. The Blue Jays and Tampa Bay still tied 4-4 that is now after 8 innings of play. And earlier today the uh, Raptors beat Brooklyn 117-92 to go up 3-0 in that best of 7 series. Okay, hopefully uh, our next guest is is still able to be near his TV to uh, see probably an exciting conclusion to the third period of Philadelphia and Montreal, uh, a guy who worked uh, almost, I'm just going to round up here, Mike Civic, almost 2,000 NHL games. I think it was around 1,800. We'll just call it 2,000. Why not? Uh, former linesman Mike Civic's on the line. Hey, Mike, how are you?
2: I'm good, Reed. How are you, man?
1: I'm doing very well. It's great to have you on the show again. Uh, you're always very generous with your time, and uh, we enjoy your your stories and your perspective uh Montreal I'm gonna dive right in here with Montreal and Philadelphia there have been some nasty moments uh probably one of those uh if you were a linesman in this series you know you gotta be on extra high
2: alert oh absolutely any any game in the playoffs it doesn't matter who's playing because it's just the intensity level just uh it's ramped up and the emotions are running and things happen and then of course you know you throw in the uh urgency to uh, get to the four winds and all this and somebody does something to you and your emotions kick in and sometimes you do things you probably shouldn't do
1: well uh guy got-, <laughs> got suspended <laughs> And uh, Montreal's desperate here into the final 30 seconds. Look, I I know obviously you were an NHL linesman, so I I don't want to put you in a tough spot because that was uh, your employer for a lot of years and and you love the league. But I'll just kind of throw it out there. Like, there's a lot of feeling with with listeners here and fans. Niskanen did something with a stick and he hurt a guy. Uh, How come that's only a game... Whereas you know a check to the head, where you might not be trying to hurt a guy, is is often two games in the regular season, one in the playoffs. I know I know it's not your decision, and you weren't involved with that, but I'm just wondering if you kind of understand where that that fan sentiment is coming from, or if maybe there's a, a clarification you have.
2: Yeah, no, Reed, I'm 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 with you and your fans there. I you know I didn't see the play originally, and uh, you know. I saw Gallagher you know, sitting on the ice and stuff like this, so, so when, when I was, when I saw the replay, I'm like, oh, man, like, yeah, Gallagher kind of, before he gets hit, kind of gives him a little cross-check in the back. He gets turned around. Now, he's on the ice, and Niskanen turns around and takes his stick, and my whole thing was, you look at Niskanen's face before he throws the cross-check, he absolutely knows exactly what he's doing, so... Um, hey, I get player, player safety, that, that department's got a tough job, but I have a hard time trying to wrap my head around how it's only one game.
1: Did you ever have to, uh, like, what, what would have your role been as a linesman if there was a potential suspension or a major or match penalty in a game? I mean, we hear about the referee having to maybe write something on the game sheet. As a linesman, did you ever have to contribute or even maybe talk to the NHL about something you saw?
2: um yeah because i was in the bertuzzi incident and i was in the rusher incident so oh wow i had lots of i had lots of conversations with the league after writing a report and talking to lawyers
1: oh my goodness okay and the canadians uh try to jam the puck in as time expires so philadelphia will uh will advance so you you were on the ice for two of the most infamous uh incidents in the in the national hockey league i mean when you see that unfold in front of your eyes like you're doing your job but that's that that's so extreme to what you usually see, isn't it?
2: Well, yeah, and y- y- you know, there's even before the two things happen, there's that you know how they say you know the calm before the storm. You're you're watching the play develop, and you see some signs, and you're going like, "Ooh, this! I don't think this is going to end up well for anybody." And you know, the Bashir the incident, you know, when Marty swung his stick. I know what he's doing. He's, he's, he's trying to get him in the arm or the shoulder, and he just misses. Um, Bertuzzi, you, you could just tell when when he come in for the faceoff that he was going to do something. Like, what he was going to do, I didn't know, because I was the one that dropped the puck. But I knew he was going to do something. And it was just like he gets up and, and just punches him. And it's like, oh, boy.
1: Well, yeah, and that obviously, uh, like I said, one of the most incidents in the NHL. How much, if if ever, well, I assume you did, but how much might have you tried to defuse something before it happened? Like, like, did you ever have to say to a guy like, like, hey, man, maybe not today, or I can tell what you're thinking, but let's calm down. Is that appropriate for a linesman to, to do that sometimes?
2: Oh, we used to do that all the time, especially back when there was only three of us on the ice. Because we would, you know, we would be the guys that would be you'd be in the middle of everything, and we'd hear the chirping, and you know, I'm I'm gonna get you, I'm gonna carve your eyes out, I'm gonna stick my stick through, and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, we'd go and we tried to relay to the referee some of the some of the you know stuff that was going on verbally, and then you know, I remember some nights I was I'd, I'd get in between Dave Brown and whoever he was trying to go after, and just say Dave, not now, because you know it'd be less than five minutes in a eight nothing hockey game or something like that, and it's like. Nothing good's going to happen here if, if, if you jump this guy and pummel him. They're going to suspend you, and that's not good. So, you know, we had a really good uh, relationship back then with, with, with the players where you can kind of talk them down off the ledges sometimes, most times, actually. Interesting. What about the
1: guys? I mean, there's always those guys who get called up, right? And they know they got to do something. <laughs> <laughs> like, yep. The guy who's fighting in the minors, he's called up for a reason. If he wants to stay in the NHL, he has to, he has to do that. Like, did they get a little bit of rope, or, or I mean, I, I assume you knew the reputations of all the guys going into each game.
2: Oh yeah, like you you, you knew the guys, that, you know, especially if they called up, uh, you know, the, you know, back back in the late '90s or early 2000s, you know, some guy six foot four, two hundred twenty five pounds that. Uh, has one goal and one assist and 500 penalty minutes you know he's not going to be out there to score a goal so he would come up and line up against you know uh say a dave brown or somebody along that lines you just look at him and say listen you can't do anything until the puck hits the ice then whatever you're going to do go and do but wait till the puck hits the ice
1: did you because there there's less of that the the staged fighting i think there are fewer staged fights than there used to be i mean I, like i don't mind fighting in hockey but i prefer when it's born of anger than well i'm just going to line up next to you and drop the gloves because we're going to try and fire fire up our teams is that is that better for the game and does that change things for the linesman if they know there might be fewer staged fights
2: well and, and you know that, that was one of my biggest uh, you know beefs when i was on the ice is hey if two guys are battling and somebody doesn't like something that somebody did, and they turn around and they have a fight. That's in the context of the game. So I've, I have no issues with that. What my issue was is uh, Team A sends out their tough guy. Team B doesn't want to be embarrassed, so he sends out his tough guy. And they're they're looking at each other like, okay, we have to do this. And it's like, you know, guys, do we really need to do this? And if you're going to do it, wait till the pot goes down. And, I mean, I, I don't know how many times you could go back and watch – old videos of me do in, in those games, but right after I've dropped the puck, my whistle's coming off my hand because I know i got to get in there and break up the fight.
1: Mike Civic joining us on Inside Sports, former NHL uh, linesman, always great to his, get his perspective. So back, I want to ask you about back in January, or uh, pardon me, February, when the Oilers and Flames had their their big, uh, big kerfuffle, and there was all that going around the net Bear and kachuk start fighting and then the goaltenders started fighting i mean there's there's yeah. too much at that point for the official to even handle isn't there
2: <laughs> well you know the the rule of thumb is you know and and trust me i had lots of practice especially in the in the western hockey league and then in my early years in the nhl cuz we used to have 5 on 5 fights all the time is the rule of thumb is you go to the the first two guys that started the fight that's the first two guys you get in the penalty box, and then you go to whatever one's worse after that. And usually by then, they're all just hugging, looking where's the linesman because I really don't feel like doing this.
1: <laughs> uh, and what about with goalies? Would you just like try to let them tire tire themselves out, like they're swinging with all that heavy
2: equipment on? <laughs> oh, you usually come in and then you're talking. You- What I would used to say is, like, what are you guys doing? Like, what are you like? Who are you going to hurt other than yourselves when you're, you know? It's like, what's like? Are you guys serious? (laughs) And then they look at you like, oh, they got a couple of four letter words for you, and then and then they just kind of turn and skate away from each other.
1: (laughs) Oh well, that yeah, that's uh, that's a that's a classic moment. Who was the uh, if if you are willing to divulge or have a story? Uh, I mean, there's always there's always talking, and I mean, we saw like the Montreal Philly again, Gallagher yelling at the Philly bench, and I think one of the linesmen just kind of finally went and stood between the bench and was just like, "Okay, guys, I'm here, I'm here." Uh, a, a trash talker or a guy who just wouldn't shut up when when you were a linesman?
2: Oh, Sean Avery drove me nuts. <laughs> drove me nuts. Like I would chase him around the rink, just because everything that started on the ice started with him. And he told me one night, he says, will you get away from me? I said, no. I said, I need to be around you because you're the guy that causes everything to start. So I need to be here.
1: But he didn't care.
2: Oh, no. Oh, no. He was in his own little world. Like, he, you know, <laughs> he just did what he did and got everybody mad and then just went away just changing gears
1: a little bit. Tell me a little bit about the selection process for uh, an NHL linesman to work playoff games. Obviously that's, that's a feather in your cap. There's fewer games. You guys have to progress sort of like the teams uh, had to T- tell me what it was like as a, as a linesman and your colleagues going, going through that and then going through the playoffs themselves.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, basically uh, you know, the league has uh, five to seven supervisors that uh, go around and, uh, they try to take in games uh, in the rink, uh, and they grade us uh, on our on our performance nightly. If they can't get to the rink, then a lot of times they'll watch the game on TV, and just watch uh, you know watch our, watch our performance, grade us, and then at the end of the at the end of the season, they have their season ended meetings, and they go uh, you know they, they rank us one to twenty, and. Uh, they get an email saying, congratulations, you're going to work in the Stanley Cup uh, playoffs. The other guys that uh, aren't selected get an email, um, sorry, uh, you have not been selected for the playoffs. You will get another email with a, a date and a time to meet with one of the league uh, supervisors who will go over your season and basically explain to you why you were not selected for the playoffs. And then and I, did each you... round in the playoffs, each round in the playoffs, they go through the same same system again. You're graded every night. They go through, and as the teams get depleted, so do our officials.
1: Right, and and I, I assume you got uh, both types of emails at some point.
2: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> the first one was always <laughs> the best one. You didn't like the second one.
1: <laughs> well, yeah. Well, I, I bet. Um, so, how, did you work? How many different how many different partners would you have as a linesman throughout a regular season?
2: Oh, through the regular season? You could probably work with every guy on staff at least once. Really? Okay. Like it, yeah, it, it, you know, there was no rhyme or reason to uh, guys that you worked with. It just depended on, you know, if, if I if I got, uh, you know, say a bunch of assignments in eastern Canada or the eastern U.S., I'd get out there and, you know, if I was working Toronto, Montreal, Carolina, you know, up and down that coast, I could be with the same lines in the, the whole trip or I could be a different guy every night. It was, just, it was just how the schedule and the, the gentleman that does all our uh, assignments uh, has us moving around the league.
1: It, but you lived, did you live in Calgary your entire career? Yes, I did. And how often would you work a Flames or Oilers home game? Like, it wouldn't be any more often than other rinks, would it?
2: Well, it, was, it, it, it kind of evolved over the course of my career. Early in my career, I did lots of Calgary, not so much Edmonton. I did Calgary, Vancouver, L.A., and then as I got more seasoned, I got to see the calgary Edmonton battles. And then they started to fly me east. And, you know, I, I got uh, a lot of the, you know, Montreal, Quebec, uh, Philly, Pittsburgh, you know, uh, all those kind of Toronto, Ottawa and all those ones. So it, uh, I ended up being at the end of my career one of the guys that uh, I did a lot of traveling. I didn't do a lot of games in the West
1: oh okay all right did you did you like the extended road trips
2: um you know for me they weren't bad because I, I always liked if they sent me on a 10 or 11 day road trip and i did uh five to six games in that uh, span that was always good because you would always like work maybe two games in a row have a day off do two have a day off maybe three and then home um i didn't mind that i i i liked working i didn't like the days off on the road what was your favorite road city to visit? Oh man, I, <laughs> New York City, Chicago. Um, yeah. I love Montreal, um, L.A. It just any of the Canadian cities were, were awesome to to have a day off and just walk around and uh, and do stuff.
1: Now, as a linesman, did you ever get recognized in public away from the rink? Now, you're a little different because you stand out because you're quite tall, but I'm wondering, (laughs) (laughs) did did you ever have a fan or non-fan approach you?
2: (laughs) Oh, yeah, I got recognized all the time. And, uh, you know, it's funny because I'd be with guys that have been in the league for, you know, 25 years, and I'm year two, and, hey, there's that big linesman. So, And then they would go, oh, there's Wayne Bonney, and there's uh, Gerard Goche and there's Don Koharski. And there's Dave Newell, and you know, because back then we all had our names on, and there, there, there wasn't that many of us, so we were pretty recognizable. So as soon as they picked me out of the crowd, they could find out where the other guys were. Right. Okay. Uh, Mike, great
1: to have you on the show. Before I let you go, uh, I know when we've talked before, you were you're helping the AJ with stuff. They're they're kind of in obviously a holding. Are you still doing stuff with the AJ and helping younger officials
2: in any capacity? Uh, no, the, uh, for whatever reason, Hockey Alberta didn't want me around and, uh, I got picked up by the Hockey Super League and I'm working with their officials now.
1: Oh, good stuff. Okay. Well, you're always welcome on this show because, uh, people love your perspective uh, and you're a great storyteller and we appreciate that you're, you're willing to share your experiences and it was great to, uh, chat with you a little bit this afternoon too, when we were, we were setting up the interview. So I hope you're feeling great. I hope you're enjoying the playoffs and hey we're going to have you on down the road sound fair
2: oh hey reed i always appreciate being on and talking to you it's always it's always great to chat with you so i just uh, anytime you want to you want to throw me on just give me a call you know where to find me
1: awesome stuff thank you mike that is mike civic former national hockey league linesman those exact numbers well they are right right up there almost to 2000 1868 regular season games 90 games uh, in the playoffs. Uh, Yeah, great linesman, great guest here at Inside Sports. St. Louis and Vancouver are underway. Philly moves on. Montreal is out. We're back after the break.
2: Jake Boricek dropped into the high
1: slot. Sandheim with a shot. He scores! Travis Sandheim put it into the traffic in front. Price ends up knocking it into his own goal, and Sandheim's going to get his second goal of the playoffs. It's 3-1. That goal would actually be credited to Raffle. Turns out to be the game winner and the series winner for the Philadelphia Flyers. They beat the Canadians 3-2, shot attempts in that game, uh, basically 2-1 in favor of the Canadians. I didn't see the final total, but it was 70-35 with about a minute to go. So Carter Hart gets the job done, beats his idol Carey Price, and the Flyers advance. Blues and Canucks are... Underway, no score about three and a half minutes in. See, um, Joe Haggerty here, who covers the Boston Bruins, has tweeted out that the Lightning and the Bruins will play on Sunday. And then there also could be a potential game seven between the Canucks and blues depending on what happens vancouver scores okay vancouver scores 345 into the first so they jump out to a one nothing lead there is a game tomorrow the stars in the avalanche six o'clock at rogers place hey fun show everybody thanks a lot for tuning in dave campbell is going to be in next week i'll be taking some time off dave's also the producer of the show kellen kennedy your studio operator my name is reed take care